When your alarm goes off in the morning and you slowly regain consciousness or maybe dramatically regain consciousness with, (gasps) how could the morning come so quickly? I wonder what is it that uh, your waking thought is? What, What are your waking thoughts when that alarm goes off each day? I don't know what it is for you. It can be various things for me, depending on which day of the week it is. I can still be thinking about the elders meeting the night before. And I can still be groaning about some of the dumb things I said the day before, or even years before, actually. I can still be groaning. Or I can just be kind of woke ahead of the alarm because I'm a bit anxious. I'm thinking about my responsibilities, what's coming up that day. Oh, it's Sunday. I have to stand up in front of them again, thinking about that. Well, on some of my better days, before my feet get out from underneath the duvet, I think to pray. And one of the verses that often I go to that shapes my prayer is in Romans chapter 12. And uh, if you have a Bible near you, why don't you open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. If it's the church Bibles, you'll find that on page 1139, 1139 in the church Bibles, Romans chapter 12. It'd be a real help if you have this open in front of you, because I want to commend it to you uh, as something that could shape your prayers uh, before you get out of bed uh, in 2015. Let me read these. Uh, familiar verses perhaps Romans chapter 12 therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's a great verse, or two verses, to memorize. It's a great thing to turn into prayer. Because it reminds the Christian that you are surrounded by grace. Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, I don't know whether you wrote a little family newsletter that went out to uh, the wider family, to friends, for summarizing your year for 2014. But what is it that the Christian can always say? Well, the Christian can always say this. God has been very kind to me. He has shown me his patient compassion and his mercy he has taken pity on me that's what the christian can always say maybe as we've heard in some of the testimonies this morning maybe the year has included disappointments dashed hopes in relationships discouragement at work disappointment in your family a worrying medical diagnosis maybe worsening health maybe the death of a loved one. And yet the truest answer that we can ever give is to say of this past year, God has been kind to me. 
And this verse reminds us of that with two words. The first word, therefore. It links everything that Paul has said in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans to what he's about to say. Therefore. The first 11 chapters have all been about the gospel of God concerning his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. God's kindness has been supremely shown in the world, he says, by the way that he offered his son to be a sacrifice of propitiation. That actually I deserve God's wrath and his anger for my sin. And yet Jesus willingly came to turn away God's wrath from me by taking it onto himself. How kind God is. Romans 3, uh, 23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here's an amazing verse, verse 24, And are justified freely by His grace. Freely by His grace. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. Romans 5, verse 8 and 9. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Do you see the problem is the wrath of God, and yet it's been fully met through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And all of that is summed up with that connecting word, therefore, and it's summed up in these uh, four words, five words, one, two, three, four, five, in view of God's mercy. What a wonderful way of describing the gospel, God's mercy, in view of God's mercy. Mercy, And the wonder of the, for the Christian contemplating God's mercy is that he chose to apply it individually, personally. Read on in Romans chapter 8 and we'll see that God continues to freely pour out on us his undeserved mercy and grace in Jesus by foreknowledge, by predestination, by calling by justification and glorification. And it was such a joy to study these uh, big words ending in shun uh, at the Contagious Youth Conference this year because it's all about how God takes this incredible salvation achieved in His Son and applies it to, to me and to you if you're trusting Christ. Chapters 9 to 11 are all about the mercies of God. Chapter 9, verse 15, it says this, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Or chapter 9, verse 18, Therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. And the Christian wakes up every morning and should be reminded of this, that we are surrounded by the mercy of God, by the grace of God, by the kindness of God towards us in Jesus. If you're trusting Christ, then you can wake up tomorrow and you say, God has had mercy on 
on me. He's demonstrated his love to me. Well, that's a very different day when you grasp that, isn't it? Before you put your feet out from under the duvet. But this is a great verse to memorize and a great thing to turn to prayer because not only does it tell us that we're surrounded by grace, but it it encourages us to be shaped by grace. See, when we really get and understand God's mercies and understand God's grace, then there'll be a certain shape to our lives and it affects everything about our lives. In fact, these verses uh, consider everything relating to our bodies and everything relating to our minds. And that pretty much sews it all up, I think. Look at our bodies, there for verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. For the Christian... Um, Worship is not something confined to uh, 204 Rose Street, Edinburgh, here at Charlotte Chapel, to some to religious building. In fact, the whole of our lives is the arena of our worship. Everything. Um, it's not just Sunday. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday as well. It's the way we drive our car. It's the way we... Uh, talk to our children. It's the way we care for our parents. It's, it's the way we engage in our work. It's the way we engage in our rest and in our play. And if we get the mercies of God, then we actually get to choose to offer our bodies to God as a sacrifice. It's not merely that we're, we're going to sacrifice a bit of money or a bit of our time. Actually, when we understand the mercies of God, we offer up Well, we're the sacrifice. It's all of us. It's the whole me that is now offered up to him in response to all that he has done for me. And before you roll out of bed, it's it's great to remind yourself that um, you get in the day ahead to offer up the different parts of your body as an act of worship to him. You could think about the different bits of your body as you regain consciousness. You know, what I do with my feet today, what I do with my hands, what I do with my tongue, what I do with my arms, what I do with my face, what I do with my emotions, what I do with my will can be used either to serve God or the Bible says to serve sin. Each day there's a full range of choices of what I'm going to do with my body. That's what Paul taught, taught back in chapter 6 of Romans. He says this in verse, six, uh, verse 13. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. We've been set free by God's grace so that we can now choose to offer up our bodies, not to degrade our bodies, not as instruments of sin and wickedness, but as instruments of righteousness, as an act of worship to Him. A living sacrifice. Something that's holy and pleasing to God. And the great thing about if the Lord gives you another morning to wake up to, is I always find it helpful to confess my sin 
wipe the sin from the day before. <laughs> oh. So I think about those things I'm groaning about. Well, confess them, repent of them. Repent of the failures of the day before and start each new day knowing it's a new possibility. It's a new day, a new opportunity. I can live differently today with this body that God has given me to use for his glory. I can live differently. But it's not just our bodies, is it, that that, that needs to be shaped by grace. It's our minds, our thinking. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We all have a very strong desire to fit in with other people, to conform to whatever the subculture we aspire to is. I mean, for instance, we all hate turning up to events wearing the wrong clothes. Whether that's a black tie event or a punk rock concert. You don't want to turn up with the wrong clothes, man. You don't want to get you know, the wrong way around. We hate that. And of course, all the time, TV, newspapers, media advertising... Uh, is trying to squeeze us into a certain mold. And increasingly, uh, the mold that the society wants us to conform to and submit to in its values it, it is, is just out of whack. It's trying to squeeze us into a, 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 a very superficial view of what beauty looks like, of what body shape looks like, of materialism, of gender confusion of sexiness, of sex outside marriage, of abortion, of same-sex marriage, of assisted dying, of religious relativism. And I could just keep going on with an endless list of of what godless secularism is trying to squeeze us into, into conforming to be like. But the Christian who understands the grace of God will not allow the world to squeeze us into its boxes, into its molds. It'll know that actually that, that, all, that many of these things are just what a rebellious, sinful world wants. But instead, it will seek a transformed mind, a renewed mind, shaped by God's words. Now, that word transformed uh, in the original language is the same word that's used of Jesus being transfigured. Remember that moment where few of the disciples got to see Jesus' whole appearance change and it's sort of like the inner glory kind of came out so bright it was brighter than the sun they couldn't look at Jesus as they saw something of the glory of Jesus he was transfigured before them uh, and, he, and actually what they were seeing was the reality of what's to come the glory of the coming kingdom and that's the word that Paul uses that our minds need to be transformed by the renewing of a mind that we actually live in the light of the glory that is to come being shaped and transformed by the values of the kingdom that is to come and the big link between our minds in verse 2 is that that shapes what we do with our bodies verse 1 see what we read and think and dwell upon will shape what we do if you fill your minds with garbage filth and perversity then it's no surprise then what comes out of your mouth uh, is filth perversity and the like if we fill our minds with what is lovely and holy and good then what will also shape our words our actions and our lives and renewed transformed minds will result in grace shaped lives of obedience in our bodies 
and through our bodies we can prove and demonstrate that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Isn't that in part what Jim was wrestling with in his story? These events. And yet, we're going to see actually God's way is good. Wouldn't have chosen it. Not, not say I'm always enjoying it. But I can see God's got a good plan. Can we not all say that? So I wonder, what are we, what, what are we filling our minds with? A, a renewed, transformed mind requires a choice, doesn't it? It's not automatic. Uh, will we just consume all that the world throws at us or uncritically and be conformed to its values, its ethics, its entertainments? Or will we have a renewed mind that engages critically and thoughtfully with this world around us as people who are first and foremost shaped by God's words? Now, you hear some practical ways you can do this. You know, read your Bible every day. Um, there's a Bible reading plan on the stairwells. It's the Robert Murray McShane plan. It'll get you through the whole Bible uh, once a year and the New Testament and the Psalms twice a year. If that's too much, do it at half a rate. That's fine. Just do two chapters a day. And over two years, you'll complete that. And uh, just keep bathing your mind in the Word of God. Spend the time each day just reading it. Uh, pick on a verse that jumps out at you, like uh, Andy was saying. Sometimes a verse just grabs you by the throat. Well, when that verse grabs you by the throat, pray it for yourself. Pray it for your friends. Pray it for this church. Soak in the Word of God. And you know, if you've had a few days or even a few weeks where you haven't done it, well, don't feel you have to catch up. Just read it for today. Get back on the horse. Bathe in the Word of God. There's lots of great resources out there. There's great blogs you could read, the Gospel Coalition blog. John Stevens has got a great blog. Uh, there's some great podcasts, Quantum of Solace by David Robertson. It's a fantastic thing where he reflects on the news, uh, the British news from a Christian perspective. Uh, some people listen to Alistair Begg as they walk to work on his podcast, Truth for Life. Um, there's lots of ways you can be shaping your mind. There's great uh, newspapers out there like Evangelicals Now. I must confess I'm on the board, so that's why I'm telling you to get it. I don't get any profit from it. But what, you know, there, there's not many newspapers that actually tell you what's happening in the world in terms of the gospel, but Evangelicals Now will do it. Uh, if you've never read a Christian book, why don't you resolve this year? I'm going to read one Christian book. If you've read two, think next year I'm going to read four. Give it a go. Let's bathe our minds and shape our minds. But I want you to to finish by just noticing as I close that Paul writes at the beginning I urge you I urge you do you see that there's a choice here if you're just passive and let life float by you're not going to do this stuff I urge you he says every day there's a choice in our lives we'll be shaped by grace or are we going to be conformed to uh, a sinful world and its standards? You know, as a church, we're faced with the same choice. This is written to a church in Rome. And this teaching is to the whole church. When Christians forget this, then churches do not care about the lost nor the mission of God, but become inward-looking. When you get the grace of God, you're going to be a missionary church. 
Andy Patterson gave a great sermon in the evening. On the, we did an overview of the whole book of Romans. And this was his thesis, that the whole book of Romans is to get us on task with the mission. But a church that doesn't, that won't be shaped by grace, is a, is a, is a church that loses sight of the lost and just says, well, it's all about us being comfortable. Let's look within. And then as we look within, we start realizing, actually, I'm very unhappy with some of the people in this place because they don't make me feel very comfortable. And we start getting upset about each other. We start moaning and griping. And, we, and church becomes a place for grumblers where there's always someone to blame or something to be upset about because we've only thought of ourselves and our comforts and our ease. And we have a low view of God. But a church that gets this, that gets the bigness of, of the God that is being uh, talked about in his words, that is shaped by his amazing grace, will be a remarkable place. It will be a place where there's supernatural harmony, where it'll, people are, are offering up their bodies uh, sacrificially to reach a lost world with the gospel of grace. It'll be a place of welcome, uh, of forgiveness of mercy that that actually breaks down social barriers and ethnic divides to be a place of love that uh, overcomes evil that actually changes society and so I want to commend to you uh, these two verses as something to pray before you get out from under your duvet why don't you think about memorizing it and when you're more when you wake up and your conscious thoughts are starting to I don't know, groan, remember the grace of God. Therefore, in view of God's mercy. And, and before you head out into the day, just think about the way you can offer up your whole self, your whole body, your whole mind as an act of worship to Him. You could pray something like this. Heavenly Father, in view of your loving mercy and amazing grace, I offer my whole body to you as a living sacrifice of worship to be something holy and pleasing to you. Please help me not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but by your word and spirit to be transformed as you renew my mind. Help me today to show that your will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Amen. Our closing song is a prayer. O oh, great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. Let's sing this as a response of uh, an invitation to God to, to, to uh, be at work in and through us.